Well, hello and uh, welcome to another edition of Pod of the Gaps, the podcast that tries to fill the gaps between the church and the culture and some of the big issues of the day. I am uh, Andy Bannister and I'm joined as ever by my uh, podcast partner in crime, uh, Aaron Edwards, wearer of flip-flops, possessor of a beard that gets longer every time I see him. And uh, I don't know. Is there anything else I should say by way of introduction? Uh, no, I think that's fine. Yeah, you, you've, you've said enough. I've said everything. Really... I think that's the last thing you should say on this entire podcast. That's the last so you thing leave I it say. to me, and I'll. Yes, take we it all have it. something to. Well, I don't know. I think we all have something to contribute to this conversation. And what you can contribute is it, silence. It's, uh... <laughs> and uh, we are actually here at uh, the Cedarwood Festival in sunny uh, in sunny Durham. And uh, we've just recorded a, a live episode of the podcast, mm. which uh, will be the episode before kind of this so if you listen to your podcast in sequence and we just set that scene because um if you hear some strange noises in the background uh, the worship band are about three <laughs> tenths away from us rehearsing for this evening's worship service it's been an amazing day here actually the sun has shone the crowds are very friendly with some amazing conversations aaron had a, a fascinating uh, sort of like evangelistic conversation with a, with a woman <laughs> on food vans we had another guy we prayed with about you know an issue a difficult conversation he was having the family member uh, there were 14 baptisms here mm. uh, at lunchtime which wasn't planned for. I don't think the festival had planned for that, but just God moves in amazing ways this morning. And that was just fun to see, which kind of threw the schedule a bit into chaos, didn't it? Everything got thrown out. Yeah, and Andy and I got to our our session in the main the main tent to get there we got there we got there five minutes early five minutes we? early we're professionals we early. are professionals yeah we are we sat down on our couches thinking right so where's the kind of where's our, our guest who's actually the kind of organiser of the festival where's there even a sound guy hoping to mic us up and go you know this is what's going to go down and where are the kind of people and there was literally no one so we just sat there on these couches like yeah. He's got. We've got thirty seconds for everyone to arrive. Suddenly, the hordes to arrive and didn't have one. But clearly, the whole is great. It's actually, Isaac, you're more of a professional type, clean cut guy than I am. But I, I was. I quite like the fact that there was a bit of flex. So, without, it's almost like they didn't mind. The I'm, I'm, that... I'm more. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, it was funny. You were much more chilled. I'm more OCD. Or actually, I've always thought it should be CDO, actually, because that way the letters are in the, the right order. CDO, isn't that? Well, that sounds for something in the financial, cr- the financial yeah, crisis thing. Maybe it does. And um, But no, it's great. I, I actually I genuinely do like the kind of Holy Spirit kind of, kind of chaos. <laughs> I, do, then, I do like the Holy Spirit, don't I? Yeah. And then what was fun was um, was then we... Um, then they well, we just sort of re re uh, organised everything, didn't we? And we and we took the podcast actually out of the tent. We built a little a kind of amphitheatre stadium out of hay bales and yeah, wood fun. pallets, and actually got quite a good crowd. And so, if you haven't listened to the last episode, it was it's good fun. It's the first time we've ever had a guest on Pod of the Gaps. First time we've ever had Q and A on Pod of the Gaps. Yeah. Um, and we hopefully we'll do that again. So yeah, uh, do let fun. us know. We love to let That'd you know. Be fun. Let us know, contact us on social media, comment, tell us what you think, because yeah, we do love to, if you show. think that worked, if you listened to the last episode, if you think it didn't work, um, you know, we love your feedback, unless the feedback is you don't like my jokes, in which case we, d- we don't need to hear we, that. We know that feedback is, st- that's a yeah. standing order feedback, and I yeah, agree with you listeners, she, uh, it's fine. Uh, but but add to the funny thing about the, well, while we were sat there on our couches, and when one person did wander in. Um, yes, they did. We were like, oh, great, there's someone here to. We actually got one person for our session. <laughs> one person just for the session. And uh, they're like, are you doing the family's, what, family worship seminar? And we were like, no, we, we can do if you want, but uh, we're not. That, that was also going to be put, put back later on in the afternoon. So they, was... were, they were disappointed as well. But we actually thought it was something we've been already talking about that we needed to do a podcast episode yeah. on family worship. So... That's right. And I think that was, that was one of those interesting coincidences or sort of divine coincidences because I think it's interesting, you know, in the. Um... 
you know, obviously, you know, you and I have been in this podcast for over a, over a year now and become sort of good friends. And then our families have got to know each other a bit because, you know, my family have come and stayed with you guys. And yeah. one thing I found interesting is that because you homeschool and we homeschool and we think similarly about some things differently about others, is that one thing we, of course, we, we both do is we do family worship with our with our families now what's interesting i don't know about your story into into doing that for us we didn't used to do it when we when we when we first mm. became parents and our kids were sort of you know probably old enough to have begun doing it and it hadn't sort of occurred to us we were reading the bible with our kids we were doing prayers at bedtime but we weren't doing a more structured family worship and then we came across another family who were doing it and made a reference to it. and i was like oh, what's that and they said how well you know in their case before you know, I think their evening meal, they sit down together and, you know, read a bit of the Bible. They've got a kid's devotional book with some discussion questions and things. And we were like, that is really cool. Let's mm. try that. And it was just worked brilliantly. So for us, it's the, the, the evening meal thing is chaos. It's not a good time. We do that in the, in the morning, first thing mm. in the morning. And it's just been really, really fun and really, I think, just just really positive in so many ways that we may talk about. I'd love to get, say, your stories, how you got into mm. it. But I'll tell you what I found interesting. I'd love to know you found the same. As we've now, as we now talk more openly about, yeah, we do family worship and stuff. Most people we hear are like we were back then. Most people are like, what's that? Most, yeah. I don't think most Christian families are doing it. They would once have done. It's pretty yeah. standard yeah. in church history that yeah, yeah. you would do. I mean, the old family Bible idea. Yeah, yeah. You would have this great oh, yeah. big family Bible, that you'd Bible yeah. read together. But it's much more, much less common. And I think it'd be great in this podcast to explore, you know, why that is. Does that matter? Uh, I think it does matter. And then what I also want to think would be great would be to be practical. And rather than just leave this as an episode that makes people feel perhaps guilty, well, we don't do it, oh man, you look at Aaron and Andy, to go, look, I stumbled across it. Maybe this is the first time you listening have stumbled across it. What are some resources? So hopefully if you listen to this episode, people will walk away going, you know, I can do this. And, and here are some ideas. Yeah. So how did you guys get into doing it? Well, I mean, how did I get into it? It's almost, we've had many manifestations of doing it. Yeah. Um, I do remember hearing... When I only had one child, and she was, this is Isabel, our eldest now, when she was, you know, I don't know, maybe two years old or something, maybe 18 months, two years old, um, I remember hearing of a guy, there's, I met, there's a guy who I, I knew had five kids, and um, he was really big on family worship, and I remember thinking, at the time, it didn't really affect me, because I knew, well, we only have a, a young one, and we obviously teach her the Bible and try to read Bible stories to her. And so we ha- so it's kind of easy because you only have one and you can just sort of do the kind of bedtime routine and incorporate it into there. Where I had to then evolve is obviously when you have more children um, or an army of children, as, as I have, um, your patterns change, the rhythms change, the season change. You, you've got to be flexible and, and move differently with it. And I've had to do different versions of it, but I've also had to be more disciplined how I gather my children together, well, the whole family actually, my wife as well, and go and lead in that in that way. So it's a really important thing. But I'll, I'll come on to that later on, actually, about fatherhood. We'll talk about that a bit later on. But but it's really just a case of of the necessity, the really kind of desire that we wanted to um, do this. But for me, again, I'm not. I'm as a charismatic. It's actually harder. It might be easier for you because uh, you're not as charismatic, maybe. But to in, or for your tradition, background wise. Um, actually you can end up not not being as good at keeping routines and i think routines are quite important for children so we had to go oh we just do it we do we do it here and there we make sure we do it all the time it's a culture of worship of course you're wanting to do that in your family in your home but it's really nice to have that time Mm. i think you said earlier that there was something about um, your children even coming to you yeah so you're you're right so in our case what's interesting now exactly as we i don't think we fully appreciated how this has happened that now we have by god's grace it has become a culture so if we 
if we don't do it. So for us, that uh, the routine that we aim for, and one thing we learned early on that friends advised us in was don't set a, rate, a routine where you set the bar so high. And this, by the way, goes for personal donations too. Don't set the bar so high that if you fail, or, or that you regularly fail, and therefore you just feel bad. I remember actually learning this the hard way as a young Christian. Mm. Early on, one of the worst Christian books I ever read. <laughs> I don't be very clear on this. And someone's going to have loved this book. And some, some fool gave me a book when I was a fairly young Christian called The Hour That Changes the World. And it was all about the challenge that, you know, when Jesus says to the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, could you not even wait with me one hour? Mm. And it was all about, you know, as a Christian, a faithful Christian, you should be praying for an hour every day. And it, and it was all about you get up at the crack of dawn, so get up at 5 a.m. if you need to, and it divided the hour into 12 five-minute segments and all this kind of routine. Mm. Had to do it. Well, you know, I remember falling at the first hurdle. I made about three <laughs> days. Yeah. And then I just fell, fell fall, far, further and further short of succeeding and did nothing more than feel guilty yeah. about it. And then finally, <clears> a sort of fellow sort of Christian, older, wise Christian, I referred mm. to the book, and they took one look at it, and they literally threw it in the bin and went, yeah. let's sit down and start again. Yeah. And think about yeah. building something that, yes, is a challenge. The discipleship needs to be, there's some work involved. But, you know, if your first attempt at running is going to be trying to run a, mar- run a, run a marathon, you're going to crash and burn. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, so with our family, what we, we figured out is that actually find the time that works for you as a family. So for us, mm. like evenings don't work. If the kids are tired, it's chaos. Morning yeah. works great. Yeah. So, you know, we have our kids like, you know, downstairs 15 minutes before they have to have breakfast. Yeah. And, uh, and we fit it into that 15 minute window. And now if we don't do that, we've actually got the kids will turn around and go, Oh, we haven't done Bible time. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of plans and we'll maybe talk about this later. We have, if we have a full 15 minutes to do Bible time in family mm. worship in, mm. we have some stuff we do. If events have taken over, we mm. have a structure that now works in five minutes and mm. uh, so that even so rather than go oh we can't do anything we've got mm. okay we haven't got quite enough time mm. so the kids will do will do this mm. um, and then other structures actually even when you haven't got time to do a full-blown family devotion the other thing I've really come to appreciate is the power of just praying and doing grace at meals oh, yeah. so I grew up in a Christian home but we didn't as a tradition generally say grace at meal times my parents yeah. prayed and we prayed at bedtime mm. so we didn't pray at meals mm. we my wife comes from a tradition where they do do that, so we built that in. Mm. And again, it's lovely because, again, the kids will remind us if we forget. Mm. When we have guests with us who are not Christian, actually, it's really interesting when actually when we stop and say grace, and actually one of the kids does it. In one sense, it's a bit less intimidating than if, you know, I or Astrid do it. If we have friends around to go, hey, I said to my, my seven-year-old, Chris, do you want to pray, say grace? And he'd go, yeah, I'll give thanks for food. <laughs> and... Um, and all, and that you're building mm. that gratitude attitude and those rhythms in. And I think mm. one of the greatest gifts we can give our children actually is rhythm and structure mm. and culture, because mm. within that scaffolding, mm. if all you give is that scaffolding, it's dead. Mm. You know, scaffolding can be dead, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, we just, we just planted roses in the garden, so I've been thinking lots <laughs> about this, right? You know, you can build, go out and nail a trellis to the wall and mm. leave it. Well, you've got mm. dead wood. Mm. You can equally try and grow f- roses, climbing mm. roses with nothing, and they're going to mm. keel over and die. Mm. Or you can go, okay, let's get some trellis and some structure in, and let's get some plants and mm. some life and nurture those mm. plants, and the two mm. things come mm. together, mm. and you've got something you've got something beautiful. to work with. Yeah, so that's lovely, really nicely done there. And of course, yeah, and you maintain that as well. It's not like you, right, I've set my structure up, and now the roses are growing, and I just leave them, leave them be. No, you have to actually tweak, <laughs> tweak things. You have to, you have to prune, and there's, and that, there's also yeah, pruning and deadheading. Yeah, so of yeah, course, any kids absolutely. that are failures, we just, deadhead just, those. Just, yeah. just uh, decapitate them, and then they're gone. <laughs> and if you have another, that's why I have so many kids. You, know, you just decapitate them, and they don't might know. Oh, uh, that's a joke for those who don't understand. That I don't satire. Don't decapitate my children um, on a regular basis. Actually, do you know what? There's a verse I'm going to tell, uh, speak about later, which actually kind of would link in with that satire. Good. Anyway, let's Good. come back to that. But also, actually, even you can't. 
you can't create fruit. So there's not there's a you know that famous analogy I think I've heard Paul Tripp use, uh, where he says you know if I want to want apples in my garden, I, there there are two approaches. I, I can grow an apple tree, or I can get a large bag of apples and a nail gun, <laughs> <laughs> and I can I can nail the apples to to a tree, and I can say look at my wonderful apple tree. And I think some of those parents you get, you do get to kind of extremes. You probably don't. We we probably have the more sluggard in our country, in our, our Western evangelical culture. I reckon we we more err on the side of sluggardliness of not doing enough than we do on the side of doing too much yeah. and like it being in danger of being pharisaic and overzealous like I don't know many families where they're like do you know what I think we're a bit too hard on them I think we went too long for our family devotions I just don't think that's the regular problem maybe there's some of you who listen to go oh I do struggle with that my children are kind of exasperated but I think well probably not it's probably more likely that the rhythms need to be interrupted so screen time things like video game use we don't we don't really have video games in our house. we do actually have a we do actually have a console, but we I, yeah. I banned it. I think so. We, we had an old old one. Very from wise. We brought it out, and it caused a few fights. We brought it out. There's only games that um, I played when I was a boy on the Super Nintendo. You know the ones that you could yeah, play, yeah. and you could kind of complete it within a, a certain amount of hours. Whereas now these all these games are just so elaborate and complex, it's completely all-consuming. And so we played. Uh, I allowed them to play Street Fighter 2 purely just because oh, I could then have bad. this nostalgia of it. And it was quite fun, and, I, and, and I'm monitoring it. But even then, I could see, and I would never let them play it on their own. But so we just don't have that as a culture in our homes that they get to play video games. And when they turn teenagers, I'm, I knew you could come back to me when they are teenagers and go, Have you actually done this? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try it as far as I can to hold the line. I, I don't think we're going to allow them to no. have any. Because I don't think you need to. I think there's other ways you can cultivate a lifestyle where they, they don't need to then drift off. It's another way of them drifting off. And there's so many families chatting to family of the day and and she said um you know her, i think she was saying her um brothers she was in a strict christian home the dad was a policeman and the mum was a good pious christian as well and um no video games no video games she was the eldest and then she had three younger brothers and then they resisted with all with the brothers up to a certain point but then as soon as i think these the eldest brother turned 15 they finally were like okay i think you can handle it now Get, bought him a console and then what happens, of course, it goes into his room and then he sort of goes through this phase and sort of... It, Disappears. And the challenges come in and then the younger ones follow. So actually, I would encourage parents to interrupt those... If you've got a chance not to introduce those rhythms, those bad things early, then do it. It's, I know it's more mm. complex if they're already there and you've got to suddenly be the yeah. horrible parent who says, you're not doing this thing, which is fundamental now to your There's a whole episode. Time. There's a whole there episode. There's probably a whole episode there yeah. on, on, our, on our leisure time because... You know, it's interesting. I can hear some people thinking about that, thinking, gosh, that's quite, you know, is that is that pharisaical? Is that realistic? But then there's also a big part of my brain going, you know, when I grew up as a kid, we didn't have those things. We had actually mm. some early computer games like you described. Yeah. We didn't spend the vast hours on them. We spent small amounts of time mm. and they were fun. But also we weren't, we weren't sitting there going, man, what do we do? There were so many activities. Yes. You know, we had sport. We were out playing a local park. We had hobbies yeah. and interests. Mm. And it's a much, mm. I think it was a much richer childhood mm. back then. So now one of the challenges, I think if your child is spending three hours a day on screen time, mm. to ask yourself the question, where is that time being magically mm. created from? Anyway, back to your point about you're mm. right. I think the other thing we've learned with us, with our kids and, and family devotions is, and again, I'm not, and I emphasize the word learn because the last thing I'd want one thing I've realized in some of these issues, we've seen it with homeschooling and I've seen it with family devotions. Sometimes when you talk about them, people who don't do them actually feel guilty that mm. they're not home, they're not home educating. Or yeah. they feel guilty that they're not 
doing family devotions, and that gets translated into when they hear of someone who is, it's like, well, you think you're more okay. pious than anybody else. Yeah. So I really do emphasize the word sure. learn. We've learned from other all the stuff that we do with our kids. We've learned from others, yeah, like, yeah. and I, I'm always open to new ideas. Go, oh, that's a great idea. That's yeah. a great idea. We try things. Some things don't work. What we find has does work really well with our kids. Keeping it to ten or fifteen minutes is yeah. the sweet spot. Mixing it up in that time. So we will use. We've got a. Some Australian friends, actually, who we learned quite a lot from in how to yeah. do this. They gave us a copy of Mission Praise, which is a, a, is a great songbook. It's not a really old one, but it's from the mm. 80s and 90s. It's got a nice mixture of both hymns and some really good contemporary mm. songs. And over and what we do is we've introduced kids to songs that we know. We've, mm. we've uh, When they hear things from their friends or at church, we look them up, and we keep a list inside that of songs we like. Mm. And each morning, a different member of the family picks a song. Mm. or a hymn mm. so you know it might be my son or my daughter mm. then me and my wife so they, they feel they're involved the stuff that they like um, we've got you know we use a, there's a great bible book we're using uh, at the moment we may come to resources later so mm. we got hold of a really good children's like family devotional and, that, and what I like about it it's got bible passage each day and then it's got great questions, and questions are the key. So you yeah. don't sit there and say to a child, here is today's Bible text, we'll read the verses and then memorize them or something. Mm. Um, you know, we get them, and from an early age, we found when they're four or five, we can ask age-appropriate questions. Mm. Mm. And then the other great innovation, and I forget who we got this from, because it's a genius idea. And again, it's not <laughs> our idea, so I can say it's a genius idea, was in terms of what we pray for we have a, what we call the prayer pot mm. and every time so it's, a, it's a big glass pot and every time we think we come across a new person or a new situation the kids make a new friend we write the name or the issue down on a piece of paper goes in the prayer pot and there's like lots of bits of paper in there and each day each one of us picks out one thing from the prayer mm. pot and unfold it and you pray for the name or the situation and that goes on one side when the prayer pot is empty, you, mm. you reload it, which means you're constantly cycling through and the kids love the picking stuff out mm. and, okay what are you praying for mm. Mission agencies, you know, we've got some mission agencies now, which is great. So, like, MAF come out, we'll go, okay, well, let's have, we got, we've got two minutes, let's go to the right. MAF website, yeah, and let's look at a video, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and see what's going yeah, on, and, yeah. and so, and what, that keeps it interactive, yeah. and it keeps it fun, but you've got a mixture, you've got mm. Bible, you've got prayer, you've got mm. worship, and, yeah, and mm. the, we're really blessed, the kids, mm. the kids love it, mm. and, but I recognise we might have a different pattern mm. in five years' time. Yeah, exactly, and you say you've got to be kind of flexible, too, that we've had different, I mean, I can tell you some of our our patterns over the time we've been thinking about the mission stuff that's a great idea i like the idea of the pot and the kind of randomness of it but yeah. actually the fact that god can lead in those you know drawing lots is you know has uh, has precedent um it's interesting but we uh we followed the open doors literature for quite a while um we've not for some reason we haven't recently as much but we did often do the kind of the kind of what the kind of watch list mm-hmm. of the most um difficult countries to be a Christian in and so they're kind of the top 50 they're always intrigued when the new list comes out every year like, yeah, oh, yeah. you know this Who's is on it yeah yeah North Korea is no longer number one right now yeah. Afghan- Afghanistan got the number one spot because of uh, not, not Scotland yes yeah, yeah well next year with you Nic- leaving with Nicola you leaving. Sturgeon's working on it I you know she's there that's right so like you know that's right anyway so with the um yeah so going through that and the open doors they give you amazing yeah, obviously we support them but you don't I don't know if you have to actually give them any money for them to send you um, the kind of resources and they've mm-hmm. got fantastic resources which yeah. are really kid friendly they even have like a child's version of the Brother Andrew story yeah. uh, which is a wonderful story anyway, but they have a kind of cartoon version yeah, of it yeah we've seen and, that uh, and, and loads of little prayer points just loads of interesting little bits to get the children involved and interacting those are supplementary they're not part of your mm. I would say not part of your daily family worship pattern but those things end up feeding into our discussions we have with them as parents all the time um, yeah. and and into those moments of um, where we do read the bible with them because what you've got to do is you've got to connect it to real things so as you say you don't want to just go right here's the time when we read from the word 
and we say some prayers and sing some mm. songs. We do actually do all those things. But if they can connect something they see in the Bible with the mission that they've been praying for, something in the real world today or something in their own life as well, then actually it brings the Bible to life. It brings the songs to life. It brings the prayers to life. And they become real. It doesn't just become mere formality, mere religion, mere liturgy. It's something that um, they can connect to real life. So we, we, do, we make use of all those sort of resources along the way. Mm. But like I said, I've had to... only Only recently in the last, let's say, year or so... Have I finally thought, okay, I think I can now branch out and do something where the whole family are together. And I think I've waited too long to do mm. that. I, it, it was more labor intensive trying yeah. to do the kind of age appropriate ones because we had the littlest ones. Then we had the eldest two. So I'd sort of do a thing with the eldest two. I'd almost never do a whole family thing. And then every now and then, I think during COVID, it was interesting because we were at home more. And of course, you have the um, church online stuff going on. Sometimes, once or twice, or my, my elders will be listening and say, oh, that's terrible. I think we missed our church online. We went for a walk or something. Yeah. And we came back late, or the internet didn't work or something. So I just did a family service. And I, and I'd, I'd find an old, I found an old book of prayers, to, which I wouldn't normally do, because, you know, we're good charismatics. We don't do your kind of reading out <laughs> prayers like you Anglicans. But um, it, I found it, Molly especially, my wife said, she really liked it. She really found it helpful. And I felt like I didn't really do much. I, but the fact that I was initiating and saying, gathering all the children together, disciplining them, actually, when they're not sitting still, because yeah. it's not easy to do that. And, and I think you, you don't want to go too far and make, as you said, such a high expectation that the children then just hate what yeah. you're doing. You've got to kind of make it fun. So we sometimes choose silly songs uh, yeah. or, or fun songs that like they can do fun songs. There's a classic. You might not remember this because you're not from charismatic backgrounds yeah. much, right? There was a song. Surely at least one listener must mm. be going, Amen, brother. There's a song called Pageant of Triumph. No. If you go on YouTube, it's just, it's a classic, like, 80s, tri- kind of triumphalist dish one, but it's, and it's got some ever so slightly dodgy theology in it, but it's a, a real belter. Um, you know, it's a really kind of, like, grand, yeah, it's, a, the, it's, it's almost Tolke- yeah. Tolkienian in its waves, bringing out the kind of drama of the, the gospel story, the Pageant of Triumph of kind of Jesus oh, coming that. back. And so the children, on that, when we sing that mm. song, they, we, we had it in their bedroom. They would jump from one bed to the other. So that was their thing to do. Whenever they'd always request pageant of triumph, and then they'd be jumping, and then and then so you, you can do those things. I, I don't want to do it all the time because I know that they're but to have it in the mix, you know, yeah. So they yeah, know that it's done as well. No, I think that's really helpful. And then I think the other thing as well we found, and again, you mentioned there the idea of you know what you do is the core and what you supplement with. Um, you know, I think for example, you know, in terms of like music and stuff, we do a lot of car journeys with the kids, or have done mm. traditionally, because until we moved recently, we were in Scotland, driving yeah. up there to see family at the other end of the country. You know, that's a thousand mile round trip three times a year. So, you know, looking for th- things like you know worship stuff. Yeah. That well, actually, two things. Actually, first is worship stuff that's age appropriate. So the, the, yeah. the, that we you know things like the Getty Kids, Rend Collective. There's others, um, yeah, yeah, but those yeah. were ones that our kids really got into. And my daughter now will often request. She loves the Getty hymns. Mm. So that's great, Getty Kids, because those are good. Those are really good hymns on there, but just done in child friendly yeah, ways, yeah. often with a kid with the ch- with children sing. Yeah. And then Colin Buchanan, who's an Australian oh, yeah. uh, kind of children's uh, performer, does some amazing and very funny yeah. as well. Yeah. But there's so much good stuff in there. Yeah, yeah. And then actually, for you know, a lot of people that go, you know, or oh, really because it's quite old. Talking music, by the way, if you can hear music in the background, this is to remind you we're recording this at the Cedarwood <laughs> Festival and no, the worship band are rehearsing for tonight. We found it. So it's a worship. They are going for you know. it. Um, Veggie Tales, oh, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. It's slightly dated, but yeah. actually, it's great because you've got really good biblical stuff there, contextualised for children, yeah, yeah. and some of the songs, um, because music does truth. 
as well. And then the other thing as well that, that we're just beginning to think about now that a friend put me on to is, you know, the importance of don't just think about worship music. Also introduce your kids to contemporary Christian music. Don't just play contemporary Christian music because there's brilliant secular music too and you want them to see that, you know, there is a great world of arts out there. You know, you don't have to be a Christian to produce great art. But there is also a huge range of arts music out there yeah. that is Christian but it's not exclusively yeah. worship so for example you know I'm a big fan of Andrew Peterson um, you know his stuff he's an author and a performer his music I mean, has become a big thing in our house it's, our kids love uh, that stuff Rich Mullins from the kind of 80s it's got some really good stuff Iona which I oh, yeah. I grew up with again yeah. and to help the kids go wow Gosh, there's this whole, there's yeah. lots of ways that Christians can engage God yeah. and creation, and exposing children to this is important. Mm. But you know, a question that we probably ought to talk about, I and mean, we we can come back to maybe land on the pra- some more of the practical stuff at the end because it's quite a practical episode. But there's, I suppose, one of the elephants in the room for me that'd be worth thinking about for a, for a moment or two is how has family worship slipped? Mm. Because it is more unusual. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, I. The fact that we stumbled across it, I look back now and go, oh, I, I sort of wish that I'd come across the importance of family worship, say, yes. earlier. I wish that when I become, we'd become parents, like our pastor had said, hey, you know, or the children's worker had gone, mm. hey, now you're parents, have you mm. thought about family worship? Are Here are some it? resources, yeah. how are you going to yeah, do yeah. it? You know, because that's a real opportunity for churches to be mm. teaching people how to be Christian mm. parents. Mm. That never happened for us. And actually now I've been part of, you know, five or six churches in my adult life. I haven't seen it anywhere, mm. actually. I can see individual families helping individual families out, but is the I think the church is missing something. But mm. I don't know what happened because yeah. you go back into church history, lots of yeah, you know, it was quite common. So yeah. you know, listeners of the show will know I often talk about F.W. Boreham. Do you, you don't? You I don't do, bore us by I talking haven't about Boreham. But he he drops lots of references into family worship with his kids. He'll talk about you know, as like we were at family worship this morning, and I read this passage, and it's not anything special. It's part of the warp and woof yeah, of yeah, yeah. Christian life. Mm. And you go further back. So, but something has happened whereby yeah. it's sort of fallen off the radar mm. and now become a more unusual mm. thing. Yes, and I, I think in the ways we've already touched on some of the reasons for that in terms of the ed- entertainment, um, yes. the kind of entertainment hours, the amount of time we spend doing other things, and, and our children spend doing other things, and that we kind of think, oh, what can you do? And we, I think we said this around the homeschooling episode. Well, you can do a lot of stuff as parents, actually. There's lots of stuff you can do, and there's lots of stuff you cannot do, and you can actually intervene. There's not, they're not runaway trains. They're your children. So take action and do something. So there are things to, to not do to make sure that you're trying to manage screen time, of course. We talk about managing screen time all the time, but I really think we could be a lot stronger on, on challenging people in, in that and thinking, what are you exposing your children to? There's also just there's probably this sort of individualism, um, which we've not sort of helped with, Um in, in evangelical circles sometimes where we just sort of we leave everyone to, to make their own choice about everything and we don't ever impose anything on them um, so we don't really as a, yeah. related to the first point we really, to say that we don't take authority as parents and go we are actually bringing you up um, in the way that we feel is appropriate and that means this this and this so there's, there's reasons like those things that from the culture of course we've talked about many times which seep in to how we um, get a bit more lax with these things and just think oh maybe it will just sort of happen anyway in some magical way um, and we, you know, we, don't, we don't kind of go with it but we've probably also inherited a, a, a sort of lackadaisical approach to routines in general haven't we? Um, yeah we, we, I... we, we sort of have a negative view of it because we almost think it interferes with the spirit and we would almost worry that we're imposing things I think that's probably yeah and I, think, I think definitely in the more prob- 
probably in the more charismatic yeah. tradition. I mean, we I would just, for want of a better word, describe myself as kind of middle of the road charismatic. So you'd be you'd be more down that tradition than I would would be. Probably. We don't do tradition, you know. Well, there you go. So I think certainly the charis, you know, the, 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 my experience of some of the charismatic tradition is, you know, we need to just leave it all to the to the to the spirit. Yeah. And, and tradition can be dangerous because, yeah. and and there's also a reaction to what's sort of the dead letter of the past. Yeah. What does puzzle me is we for six years attended a, you know. A fairly sort of strict, you know, sort of reformed capital R Presbyterian church in in Scotland. You know, great people, and that's the place where you'd have thought, well, surely. And ironically, they would have had, you know, the church bookstore would actually have books on there that could be used in family devotions. But nobody ever taught them how to do that. Yeah. So I, I, I the, yeah, I think I think there's a reaction against tradition. I think there's also a, a sort of not having realised that we're in a fight with with culture. Yeah. Actually, not really realise there is that there is a battle out there for hearts and minds. We talked about this on the homeschool episode that I think a lot of Christians think that the the world of education, the public world of education, mm. primary school, secondary school, high school for the friends in the mm. states, mm. those are neutral spaces. So it's okay. Well, the, yeah. they're not. They're contested spaces. Yeah. And then, of course, I was thinking about scripture. Mm. You know, there's lots of scripture that talks about this theme, but you know, one of the ones for me that's quite significant, Deuteronomy um, 11, yeah. uh, verses 18. Uh, and, and following where where the Lord says, you know, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds, tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads. So it's about you memorizing yeah. the, the word of the Lord. But then you know, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when yeah. you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. So like, almost surround your family life with them. Write yeah. them on the door frames of your houses, on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors mm. as many of the days that heavens are above the earth. And just mm. the emphasis that scripture I think places on there about, you know, you've got to if we don't take seriously that mandate to pass on these things to our children, Absolutely. something else get passed on in their place. We come to this thing we return to this theme a lot, don't we, in part of the gaps, that human nature is not a blank slate. Mm. Human nature is more like a vacuum. And you either fill that vacuum with something or something else will come yeah. will come in its mm. in its place. Mm. Um, but what I particularly say like about that verse is it doesn't just say teach them to your kids and leave it there. It's mm. that whole across the whole of the day when you're sitting yeah. down at the table yeah, talking about yeah. when you're lying in bed at night. And of course, in the culture, yes. you'd have had the big the family bed yes. where you you know you lie together. But as as actually one, it's interesting. One of the places where our kids will often ask us more theological questions, funnily enough, is in the morning. What will often happen? You know, long goes to seven o'clock, and they'll both our kids will rush in and leap into bed with us because they know we've told them they have ten minutes of snuggle time, and then it's up and at and bathrooms and whatever. And there's often those ten minutes when we're all slowly waking up, we're lying there together in bed. That's sometimes when actually my our kids will go, "Ah, oh, Dad, you know, Dad, but well, we were thinking." That's nice. And there's something about about so it's not just the fact you're lying and horizontally; it's yeah. you're in that intimate place where it's just yeah. you. And the mm. family, and yeah. the and, and you're in that sort of you know sort of mm. sacred family mm. space, mm. creating those spaces to go. Don't just talk about the day ahead, mm. or you know the great movie you watched last night. Mm. That may be the place to ask spiritual questions. Yeah. And then of course the other place we do it with our kids out of that passage is we found last thing at night. So actually, you know, our kids love you know last thing at night part of our routine is we'll often ask the kids, you know, okay, what should we give that God? Thanks for, yeah, yeah, for today. Yeah. That's a nice low key question. And actually, a friend of mine put me on to another question that's great to ask that he does with his family and mm. um, his kids is, you know, okay, one thing that you're grateful for and one thing that you're worried about. Mm. And mum and dad need to be honest and take mm. part in there. If you're mm. worried about something at work or whatever, because modeling to children actually is quite important. As a Christian, it's okay to be worried about stuff. Mm. It's okay to go, actually, you know, I've got a, 
got you know I've got a big a big mm. you know report still work tomorrow and, and I'm a bit nervous about that and you know it's nice to have your kids think oh I'll pray for you daddy mm. rather than because sometimes not careful we give the impression to kids right that Christian faith is total triumphalism and uh, if you have any questions or doubts you're a bad Christian rather mm. than actually normal Christian life is life happens sometimes life is great sometimes life is crap doesn't matter which it is we bring it all before the lord he's mm. lord of it all mm. and it's part of the walking with mm. life absolutely so deuteronomy is that's a great that's a lovely message. one yeah and i'll, I'll bring a, a a new testament one you know you're an islam guy i'm so old, you're, old, you're, old covenant yeah you're, you're all about the law aren't you so is that right well it's also <laughs> your 36 and i'm coming on 50 <laughs> so i'm i'm old covenant you're new covenant that's true yeah the new covenant no so, but just off the back of where you, you you know that lovely thing about the children coming to you guys in the morning and the intimacy of that the context in which you do family worship is really important but that's why I think eating around dinner tables or breakfast mm-hmm. tables is really helpful because that, that's an important time of fellowship and I think it was for Jesus and his disciples as well you know in terms of what what can be accomplished over meals is quite a significant thing but um actually funny enough ours tend to ask the questions before they go to bed but I sometimes think that's <laughs> stay up yeah, later, I, don't stay up later. But, yeah, I, I, I mean sometimes it's frustrating because you, you just get it all started but I think sometimes they are genuine questions you're like oh I haven't really got time to deal with this but other times when you try to force those questions you sit down you go for quality sometimes I go you know you go for a walk with uh, one of your children or something or you try to mm. force a moment doesn't and it doesn't it. work you know, and, and I've, I've sat there I'll take them on a little trip just just me and them I always do I have to do little d- dates with my daughters or missions with, with uh, Malachi and, and I think we do little things together but like I can't force it and I just have to chat with whatever there's going to be then other times when there's that door that's open you've just got to be ready to drop what you're doing and, and pour in because actually yeah. that's su- it's such it a is. privilege it's and such I, an important thing I just want to you know just very very briefly mm. interrupt you I want to really emphasise that because that was again I think about you know important wisdom that we've had you know I've had other fr- I had friends say this to me that you know even when it's totally inconvenient and often is mm. when a child asks a spiritual question you need to drop everything unless it's an mm. absolute emergency mm. and you cannot yeah. You know, even if it means yeah, I'm going to be late for work or it's yeah. that, you know, it's 10 minutes late for bedtime, because the danger is you think, oh, that's a great question, honey. Let's talk about it in the morning. Well, the morning they've moved on. Yeah, that's right. And to go, you've missed that, that teaching mm. moment. And you'll never, I cannot, I'm amazed. It really reminds you of the gravity of the words as a parent. You think about the influence of parents on children. It's astounding. And I, I forget what I've said to them. And they'll say, oh, dad, but you said this. And they'll quote me back to them. I don't even <laughs> remember that I've said it. And and it really and it really mattered to them. And you think, yeah, that's what it's like when you're a child. You don't have the same responsibilities as an adult. So we're wor- we're worrying in our mind all the time about the different practical, kind of boring grown up things that <laughs> they that they don't understand why we're so animated by all of our work related things. And they're there just reflecting on life, enjoying the wonder of the universe, that kind of childlike innocence. And they have these dreamy questions that come up about things. They ask quite deep theological questions, often questions that grown-ups don't think about because yeah. they haven't got the time to stop and reflect. And so we do need to be ready for those and, and actually to welcome them because it's, it's a good thing that actually reminds us. I think God does something yes. through, as much through our children to teach us, as, as not as maybe as much as they want to overstate oh. it, but Jesus obviously does say that there's the significance of childlike faith. Absolutely. I was going to say Jesus, Jesus talks about it, doesn't he? Unless you become like a little yeah. child. Yeah. And I think there's a number of ways you can you can press into what Jesus was saying there. But I think one of them, and you hinted at it there, one of the things I am so grateful to to my children for that I, I learn lessons from learn I learn this lesson repeatedly almost almost daily is the um, is the lesson of wonder. Mm. And I know I mentioned twice in one show. Um, you know, Borum. I was reading a piece by him recently where he talked about. He said, you know, we forget how miraculous you know uh, the blossom a rose blooming 
or a sunset is, or the, the water pattern on a cobweb, mm. because we've seen it so many times, we've become disenchanted, mm. because it's a miracle. It's mm. a daily miracle. And mm. he doesn't apply it to children. He's just talking about how you can re- we can re-enchant oneself to, yeah. to the world, that God makes everything, you know, uh, God's blessings are new every morning. But I think one thing I've tried to teach myself with my kids is to go, you know, when you're, going, when you're trying to go for a walk with them, mm. you know, often with the case, I'm trying to go to the shops to do an errand, and we're walking, mm. so I'm trying to be environmentally healthy. And, you know, my kids love to go with me to the shops, so your kids mm. realize mm. with you as well. And so we just mm. take it in turns. And my, you know, it doesn't matter which one I'm doing, it'll be like, I'm trying to get to the shops and back in like 15 minutes. And they'll have seen like a flower or yeah. my daughter is insect mad. She's like, Daddy, a beetle! Yeah. And everything in me wants to go, Oh, come on, yeah. leave the beetle. Yeah. And try and teach myself to go, No, it's me who's wrong. Yeah. It's me who's wrong. Katrina's got it right that this is amazing. Daddy, look, it's amazing. Look at the colours. Yeah. And to yeah. try and get into their world. Yes. Because they, they've seen something of the wonder of creation mm. that I've missed. Yeah. And yeah, they really are a blessing. I mean, they really really are a blessing. Yeah, exactly. A blessing. Um, Yeah. So, so going to the uh, new covenant passage to back up your old covenant. covenant. Absolutely, bring it on. Uh, Yeah. So we've got Ephesians six, of course. Um, of course, yes. Slaves obey your earthly masters. No, Uh, it is Ephesians six, but it's the verse just before that. Ephesians six, chapter four. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, actually, I'm thinking ESV would be fear and admonition. So this is your, I've got your NIV in front I'm of me. I'm afraid to the Northern got your Irish Got uh, your woolly NIV. But um, n- nonetheless, I think, I think there's an, you know, that there's that, that, that sense of the training that we do bring them, the sense mm-hmm. that we bring them. What does it mean to instruct your children in the Lord? It's kind of a fantastically huge and significant um, responsibility that we have. And one, one thing I think that's important to note here, it says fathers. Oh yeah. Okay. It doesn't say parents. It doesn't say parents. And, and they, it's not. And the, but some some translators or some interpreters now just go, well, you know, they just mean parents. It's like, well, why didn't they say fathers and mothers then? They had mothers. Mo- they had mothers then, didn't they? Yeah. Well, yeah. also think of the Ten Commandments: yeah, children yeah. honor your father and mother. So yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's not like good. they didn't know that they could have done that. And there's also the other thing as well. Just before you talk about this, cause I think it's hugely yeah. important. There's lots in the scriptures about the important spiritual role. Mm. of mothers mm. and of course through church history as, as well mm. you look at the mm. huge significance of, of godly mothers mm. uh, but the bible does not downplay motherhood my no, word, quite no. the opposite but it is interesting that like, this passage is that now i have a couple of thoughts here but you raise it so go mm. on and then i'll see if you one of the things yeah I, well, well that, a little bit what i said earlier about the do not exasperate your children is important as yes. well because i think that's clearly that that that's something that fathers perhaps are more in danger of doing because uh, we tend so. to be we tend to be tougher um, some mothers listening to this think, I wish, <laughs> I wish my husband was with them and I, he's the soft touch and I'm the, the tough one. I, I know the dynamics can change with different personalities, but I do think really fathers are called to, to hold the line as heads of their household. And I think that's significant, um, enough in terms of they're the ones who need to lead the charge in family worship. And I think that's really important. And so if you are someone, even if you're someone who actually feels a little bit inferior to your wife, because some wives are way ahead of their husbands in terms of theological knowledge, um, aptitude for scripture, even aptitude for sort of spiritual things in general. Maybe you've been a Christian less time than your wife has or something, or you weren't raised in a Christian household. You never saw family worship being led, whereas your wife did. And so she t- takes the lead on it. Actually, I think it's a great thing to honour scripture in that, in that regard and honour and what fatherhood is in, in terms of setting the tone in your house. I've heard people describe that, you know, you get you get people who just don't have, they don't read the Bible um, deeply, theologically. They might be in a completely different role in their life and they don't spend time thinking that much. Well, if you have a family and you're a Christian, you have a responsibility to dig into it. You don't have to sound like an academic, but 
it just the very basic fact of opening the Bible in faith, reading it and praying with your children is sufficient. Okay, so you do the very bare bones. You can say, "Here's a psalm. Let me read the psalm." Does anyone have any thoughts on the psalm? And then you can let, if your wife is a is a whiz, let her respond. But you've actually taken the initiative and said. I'm actually wanting us to do this. I'm gathering everyone together and I'm going to make sure the kids are there, that they're attentive as, as much as I can. And so you, you don't have to set this huge thing. You don't have to exasperate by do, trying to do this uber, uber thing that, that kind of ends up failing, that the children end up hating. You can do it in a way that's really helpful. Be, like I said earlier, you can include fun stuff in that, but um, there also has to be, because it's like bringing them up in, in a kind of training and instruction, there does have to be, there has to be an instruction. You do have to say, I'm, I'm actually bringing the whole life, it's about your whole life, it's not just about one little moment around the dinner table, it's about the entirety of the family life, yeah. and then they need to see the authenticity of that. But um, there does have to be a sense of you're introducing them to scripture as well. So I, one thing I try to make sure with the fun thing, that I don't overdo that as well. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we used to do a thing which the children love, which it was fun, called, called prayer bundles. A bit like your thing in the bed. I, I, everyone could bundle on, yeah. on the bed, and we'd all kind of just be there and then you stay still I and mean, whatever kind of a weird blob you've become as a as a as me it would be me and like three of the children i think when they would be we only had three and then you're praying for each other and so everyone has to pray as part of the prayer bundle but obviously with young children there's tickling that gets involved and things interrupt so they found it really fun and we would do some praying and then sometimes it would just be too hard to get them praying and i kind of thought you know as as fun as it is I had to decide, actually, I, want, I, I think they need to know that there's a, a seriousness to prayer as well. So I sort of took them into another season where I'm saying, no, we're going to be a lot more serious now about prayer. You're coming before your Father in heaven. I need to teach you the fear of the Lord. I need to teach you that, actually, w- without repenting, you're under his wrath. And that's really important uh, that you actually recognize that and don't just treat this as a, as a messing around thing. So there's a balance of meeting the mm. children where they're at as children, not exasperating them, but also genuinely t- showing yeah. them what the fear of the Lord is and saying, this is serious. We're coming before our father who art in heaven our father is in heaven he, his name is holy holy is his name none of our names are holy so we do that kind of thing but so often when we when we do the lord's prayer together um i'll often ad lib it a bit so so we have a mixture so we we do a bespoke version of the lord's prayer we always they always they know what the lord's prayer is by heart because we go through it but occasionally we'll just riff on one thing within that before we get to the next one and i'll specify it or and it'll be something that might be funny that they, they might they might relate to their life you might give a particular example of what they might be tempted with if you, if you told them off that day about you know hitting someone or stealing a sweet or whatever it would be you might actually raise that in a, in a funny way that doesn't sort of embarrass them but in a way that sort of they can almost do a little snicker about but actually you carry on in, in the prayerful condition so there's those kind of things in terms of introducing them to the gravitas of what you're doing um at the same time as you know keeping it on on their level and what, one other thing we do with prayer is to is to give that structure so um hmm. I, I think in in, the, in teaching children how to pray as part of those sort of things occasionally do this thing called um what do i do <laughs> praise thanks sorry and help yes I should probably make an acronym that actually works. That sort of comes out as P. I, I was almost in, I, I was going to say de- deliverance for help. Then it could be PTSD. Um, <laughs> praise, thanks, sorry, uh, deliverance, deliverance. Yes. Um, and so we, I say we do that because we start off, we start off by not thinking about ourselves, but saying we're praising, we're not even thanking God for something He's done in our life. Because when I say thank God for something, they just end up thinking about the thing. Thank you for Polly Pockets. <laughs> thank you for how much I love. Um, yes. hamburgers or whatever and they just talk about the thing itself which is fine but actually you see no, just talk about God 
It's all about praising God for who he is in and of himself. Then we talk about thanking him for something that he's done in your life. That could be things that just they're natural. It could be things that he's done like supernaturally that we've actually asked for prayer for and that have, have come true in some way. And then we want to confess our sin and declare what we're sorry for specifically, if we can do that. And then, of course, help. So something we, don't, we don't just jump straight, God, I want this. Going straight to help. No, we want to go all through to the, to the thank, praise, thanks, and then sorry, and then I want your help for something. And not just for me, but for someone else as well. So there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. And as I say, we've ne- we don't have a kind of absolute set pattern, but we do make sure there's scripture being read, we make sure that we're singing, we make sure that we're praying, and we make sure we're doing that in the context of a, of a whole life of, you know, discipleship as a, as a family. Yeah, I think there's a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of wisdom in there. And I think, I so, say, particularly the idea about about you know moving through seasons of spirituality with your your children i think i was saying to you earlier actually this also applies as for, for us as grown-ups i i think if i'm honest it took me about three years from having children to recover from that in my own spiritual sort of walk because i had a structure that i used for my own quiet times yeah. and then you know kids were born and it drove a coach and horses through it yeah. and i <laughs> and i just fought it i tried to make the old structure work and it wasn't and i would get cross and then you know it's that terrible when you're you that you're quiet time is causing you to cross with your family mm. it was a wonderful little canadian friend gave me a book and i forget the exact title but the whole idea was on the idea of sort of se- seasons in spirituality mm. and that you know when you're single there's mm. a season and then when you're young newly married there's a season and when kids come along there's a season and that actually be willing to you know adapt your you know your spiritual practice to mm. those to those seasons but but a couple of things i wanted to say out of what you you said was one of the things that we're talking about the kind of you know the word that's it's a bit of a dirty word isn't it in in some parts of the church today is the whole idea of discipline because hmm. again we've reacted um and i remember as a young christian you know coming across i talked about an unhelpful book i came across but a helpful book i came across that i i returned to occasionally uh you know richard foster's classic celebration oh, yeah. of discipline yeah. because you know, the natural natural tendency to think the word discipline is a bad thing but actually discipline is a good thing Mm. Um, I mean, stepping outside the spiritual world, if you want to, you know, if you want to run a marathon and do that well, that's your life goal, mm. then the discipline of getting up daily and working through the training regime, mm. running a bit further each day, it, it, it part, sometimes it's boring. It's, yeah. There's a routine to it. But it's also life-giving yeah. because eventually it gets that wonderful moment where you can run mm. a marathon and go, I have achieved. I'm not particularly sporty, but you know, last year I set myself the goal of trying to learn to do the Telegraph Cripsy Crossword. <laughs> it sounds funny, but you know, there was discipline because the first few months it was painful because it, Cripsy Crosswords, for those of you going, what? what is that going it's it's like a totally alien language you know you look at the puzzle it makes no sense but each day you do the work and you do the exercise and the books that teach you to do it you practice you get a little bit better yeah and then you get to go now i can do like 90 95 of one of those quite difficult word puzzles each day listeners that's that's why his puns are so quick exactly. equipped across to help you with puns now word back play. into the church but the idea then of you know those classical disciplines of of prayer of scripture reading and there are others you know fasting meditation silence mm. solitude yeah. um they bring an incre- they're an incredible gift really back to the trellis and the rose right mm. of giving that that structure so i think firstly you know thinking about how do i give my kids those you know introduce them to those disciplines and the fact they are classic disciplines is that christians for two thousand years have found them helpful but the other thing you know it occurred to me as another sort of thing behind some of this that we haven't touched on we're probably you know getting to a stage where we're going to think about winding this up for too too long but one thing we haven't talked about, you know, I think the other reason that some people I've talked to find the idea of family worship hard is they feel guilty that their own spiritual life is a, is, is either a bit of a mess. 
or that perhaps they've messed up as as Christians um, and they're not perhaps perfect examples. Mm. And one of the things I've had to learn, you know, is somebody who is also you know, not a perfect Christian. Um, you know, I know, for example, one of, one of my regular failings is that when I'm tired, I can be sort of grumpy and short-tempered with the family and I daily have to repent of this. But actually, I suddenly discovered that being honest and transparent about that is incredibly life-giving. Mm. So when you're praying and introducing to kids the idea of you know repentance and you know the, the book that we use about in family devotions is great because at least once a week one of the exercises will be around you know what are some of the things that we need to bring before the Lord mm. that we're not proud of, and for them to hear mum and dad go, you know to hear dad go, you know well I'm sorry and that uh, you know I mm. get quite I was short-tempered mm. again mm. yesterday or that you know or that my wife will go I'm sorry that and well you know mm. and for them the kids to go oh. Mm. Okay, mum and dad mess up with yeah, stuff, yeah. and obviously that, isn't it? that's very, very important. Yes, and so there's something about let's say turning a witness into a strength that's not quite right. That's too much for self-help, but it's that transparency. Yeah. And I think I may have mentioned on the on the podcast at some point before. I'm sure we've talked about this. There was a big report done in Canada a year or two before we left called Hemorrhaging Faith back about 2015, and it looked at. It's well known that. That tragically, seventy percent or roughly of Christian kids who go to university or college lose their faith while they're there. I mean, lots of studies looking at why that is, but this report looked at the thirty percent who, who who carry on and are there some patterns. And it was interesting. Three things that were found as fairly common across a lot of the kids who'd held on to their faith through college. One was apologetics or, 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 mm. or variations thereof, being taught why they believe these things. Yeah. Um, short-term mission came up quite highly. Kids mm. who've experienced mm. the global church. But then thirdly, it was transparency. Hmm. Being part of a Christian community, a church, and a family where they see Christianity in all of its honesty. You know, they, yeah. they're exposed to Christians who tell the truth, who hmm. talk about when it's not good, when people suffer, that that suffering is it's not hidden away. When they have struggles, they see Christians talking about their struggles. When they hmm. see, or when Christians mess up, it's hmm. not explained away or not talked about, but it's. Hmm. So I think transparency yeah. is an incredible gift Absolutely. we can give to our kids. Yeah. So if you're somebody who thinks, well, I'm just not kind of holy enough mm. to try this with my kids, no, quite the opposite. Mm. Quite mm. the opposite. Your yeah. kids need to hear you go, Absolutely. I am not a perfect Christian. I am sorry. God loves me in spite of that and has forgiven me in spite of that, which is great because it means he can love you and forgive you in mm. spite of yeah your failings yeah and again it, it models and dem demonstrates the gospel you're trying to teach them you're trying, you're not trying to teach them a, a theoretical maxim here you're not trying to just say something that you're supposed to believe it because your parents are in authority over you and they believe it and you're supposed to follow them show them why you love jesus show them why you love the gospel and why it's so wonderful why would you expect them to believe it if they haven't been able to see it in action if, if, if you're only coming across as the perfect parent. Now, I do think we can go too far with that. I don't, I don't think we need to burden our children with everything. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's so helpful, as you say, to, to, for them to see that, um, to see that, uh, yeah, that reality, that transparency. One of the things that, one of the stories my children loved and they still remind me of, <laughs> and then I have to remind them that God remembers our sins no more, <laughs> was when I told them a story about when I was naughty as a child. Right. So because they kind of, they connect to, so I, there was a time when I stole some white chocolate, they kind of prized white chocolate wafers at Christmas time that my mum had been Ooh. keeping really specifically. And then I lied about it because it was such a guilty thing. So I was talking about the sin, begetting sin, begetting sin. And I, I lied about it for like a week or so. There's a big investigation in the family. And my mum finally found out that I'd lied and eaten them. It was like heartbreaking um, for her. And actually, our so you know, my, they, they remind me of the white chocolate wafers whenever they uh, get the opportunity. But yeah. in, in a kind of fun way, but it also connects them. They remember yes. that I was a child once. And they kind of, oh yeah, dad was a child at one point. That's kind of bizarre. Um, uh, before we go, I know you said you want to roll up, but I'd like us 
just to get into Let's. one other area, right? Let's do, I, yeah. There's a few other resources I would recommend, but Let's do there's. That. I think there's something about how we how we um, how children's resources for worship and discipleship are like many things sanitized. Oh, right? and so yes. we blo- we don't actually raise them in the in the in the proper fear and admonition and training and instruction yeah. of the law yes, as the Bible yes, tells yes. us to, because we keep them away from the stuff that's difficult. And then when they find that stuff later on. It's actually a lot more oh my exotic yeah, 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 or, no, or challenging for them, isn't it? Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. Oh, we were talking about this last night, weren't we? Mm. Because I stayed over at your place mm. from Cedarwood, of going, yeah, I, I remember when I was sort of twelve, thirteen, being part of an amazing uh, Bible class called Crusaders. Mm. Uh, you couldn't get away with that name now; it's now rebranded <laughs> as Urban Saints. But it was brilliant. We had brilliant leaders, and it was just really good because it was really. It, they, it, they did proper Bible studies with us, even though we were young. They, they treated, they took us seriously. Great sport activities, you know, amazing holidays in the summer. It was just a brilliant kids' uh, Bible study, uh, Bible program. But one of the things I remember about it was they didn't shy away from the stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually finding it quite exciting when I, as ten or eleven, was reading about you know the the conquest of Canaan. I didn't sit there going, "Oh man, it's terrible." I, yeah. as, a, as a boy, I mean, yeah. this maybe applies for girls as well. But I wasn't a girl when I was, a, I was ten. I was a boy as I am now. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking this is really exciting <laughs> and cool, and we acted this stuff out. What that meant is I had friends who were not exposed to that stuff who then had like a faith crisis mm. when in mm. their twenties they were like, "Oh man, the Old Testament's mm. got mm. some violence mm. in it." And I was like, "Yeah, like well, yeah." Yeah. Now, sure, when I became 20, uh, 25 and was thinking more theologically, yeah, I had to sit through and, and work through, okay, how do I, what do I think about the conquest of Canaan and some of those passages mm-hmm. in the Old Testament? But the, their presence was not a shock. Mm. I didn't have some amazing moment where I discovered them. Mm. And someone could come and say, they've kept this from they've you. They've kept them from you. Okay, oh, no, no, I, trust me, I can quote them. I acted yeah. them out. You know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Solomon yeah. and his jawbone. Exactly. Uh, Solomon, uh, Sam, yeah. um, Samson and his jawbone. Um, so no, I agree with you. And then, by the way, the other sanitizing is then we, when we when we do talk about passages in the Old Testament, yeah. we then sanitize them. So yes. the classic example, and I'm actually going to put a link to this in the show notes because it's so it's so hilarious. Um, the American Christian comedian Tim Hawkins has a wonderful little skit on you know the way that we sanitize the um, the flood story. The mm. flood story is 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 a is a judgment story. It's supposed mm. to be quite a it's quite a, an awesome story when God is so. Uh, is so struck by and so mm. angry mm. and filled with with wrath because mm. his, his his holiness and his goodness at the sinfulness of humanity that God makes that decision mm. that, that tragically creation mm. is is going to have to be you know reset and we turn it into it's a lovely little story with the little <laughs> animals walking onto the ark and yeah. there's Noah smiling and everything yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Tim talks about and I'll put say I'll put a link in the show notes as the thing about. Yeah, we decided that'd be a great thing to paint on those three walls. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. let's paint the judgment of God upon the whole of creation. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, you wouldn't paint Dante's Inferno on there, yeah, but we'd go no. for that. And to go, in that case, I think it's actually, we just haven't actually reflected upon the awesomeness of that mm. story. Mm. And again, no mm. wonder that then when kids grow up, they're like, man, the Bible's messed up. Yeah. Well, actually, the Bible's not messed up. The way you were taught the Bible. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is messed up. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Let, let, I'm going to go, go, give you an example here but, go on, go on, go of on. what we've been reading recently. But but um, first, actually, I think the way you often can do this really well is through music. Okay, so, I mean, it's not coincidental that we learn most of our theology through the songs we sing. And that goes for grown-ups as well. That's why, you know, some some traditions of the church that are very light on, on lyrics 
uh, which glorify God in some way. They just talk about yourself or your feelings, or whatever. Jesus, it, Jesus is my girlfriend. Jesus is my girlfriend. That, yeah. that, that theology that you sing works out in, in the lives of those churches often. Because actually the fundamental theology that you go over, that you repeat and you repeat and repeat and you sing, what you sing is often what actually um, defines you in, in a significant way. What are you willing to really belt out? That's the kind of stuff that, will, that you'll live out. It forms you in a really powerful way. So we think of how we teach the children the Bible and, and great theological truths and the life of faith. Um, music and song is, is a way that God is actually ordained for us to do that the, we have 150 psalms um to in order to sort of go through them and some of those psalms are, are very very challenging of course and, and we keep away from them but our children aren't surprised at all by that kind of stuff because we introduce them just not to our own weird theology that kind of glorifies violence or something but we're like no this is just all the way through the bible so how do we understand the violence in the old testament how do we understand the judgment and the wrath of God and the holiness of God? It gives them a greater love of God and of the gospel, where we don't hide those things from them. So, but but I think we blend it. So there's a couple of great examples of good, gospelly, fun people. So one of them would be Michael J. Tinker in this country. Really fun, great. You know, he's got he's got a lot of online content and he does lots of fun voices and fun characters and he's really gospel centered in everything he does, which is great. That won't give you. Um, the deep dives into the challenging stories but it's, it's really good for kind of fun stuff i'd put it on in the car all the, all the time it's, and they, they love those songs get on with them an american version of that guy is randall uh, of that kind of style is randall good game he's great because he does these these uh, albums called sing the bible mm -hmm. where it teaches them actual verses so you're not just say hey yeah, this that you know that roughly that story or this theme or this this general idea it's like no i'm going to sing you the chorus is almost always a, a full-on Bible verse or a few verses, and the children end up singing Bible verses, which is great. So they, they actually learn the Bible by learning the actual verses. And of course, brilliant, both brilliant musicians. So that's Randall Goodgame and, and Michael J. Tinker. But if you want to go for the ones that are a bit more challenging, there's a bit more old school. Um, there's a guy, an American, I got introduced to his music a few years ago, and it's been really interesting for our family to get to know this stuff. A guy called Jamie Souls. I don't know if I've played you any of his stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's not if you if you YouTube Jamie Souls S O L E S it's not like epically well produced it's not like brilliant the aesthetics are not great in terms of the visuals and yet the and and, and the words are challenging at first because you're like gosh are you allowed to sing that with kids and then you realise he's just taking so songs from the Bible or, or or themes from the Bible and singing them and he has children in the background often singing them he's kind of chirpy kind of acoustic guitar like zippy kind of acoustic guitar so not overly produced but really really nice and simple and children understand them there's a few songs in there that, that open up some of the stories of the Old Testament in ways you wouldn't normally normally do so he's got a whole series of songs called Bad Guys for example yes there's a few of them and just goes through the stories of, of bad guys in the Old Testament and then the kind of contrast with the people of God. Now, when we hear that, we naturally go, in our gospel sensitivity, we go, ah, our Pharisee alert comes on. We don't want to raise Pharisees. Now, of course we don't. So we don't want to, the idea that they're all the bad guys and we're the good guys. Really, we're all bad guys, I know. And we, need, we all need the gospel. We're all sinners. But the Old Testament is quite clear that there's enemies of God who come against God's people. And, and, there's, and God's people are called to be righteous and a light to, to the nation. So... We are called as the church to be different, to be pure and holy and alike. So don't be so scared 
with your Pharisee police buzzer on or something coming on to actually teach your children that it's good to be holy. I, I know that you can get into sort of unhelpful ways of doing that, but you're probably not in danger. If you're in the West today, you're probably not in danger of that being the case. You're probably not in danger of being a, a, a Pharisee and making your kid too holy and that they're going to be overly judgmental of people. So think about singing the songs of the Old Testament. If you, know, if you read the book of Judges, we're, we're reading through the book of Judges at the moment. Very good. And uh, so one of the fun stories, a bit like the ones you, you were reading when you were younger, Eglon. Oh yes, Eglon. you know the guy who's yes. fat and like the 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 sword goes in and the fat covers over the sword the, the, the sword itself and the children love that story and 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 because it's just funny it's kind of bizarre and you think that the Bible is it's, it's a weird thing this kind of glorif- glorification of violence in the context of victory of God's people over God's enemies and so there's the, there's the the song of Deborah. Uh, which is the basis for one of um, Jamie Soul's songs. And when I first heard the chorus, I was like, that just sounds really judgmental. I don't like this. It was, so may all your enemies perish, but but let the righteous shine like the sun. We are the, we are the, um, we, we are the, uh, the followers of God and he will save us because we worship his son. And I remember thinking, gosh, that, you know, I, don't, I don't want my children to be Pharisees. But then I, think, I, I didn't realise it was a Bible verse. I didn't realise this is what the people of God sung. Yeah. Let your enemies perish, but let the righteous shine like the sun. It's from It's from Judges. And so we've been going through judges, and they've they've now got the kind of um, context for it because they've heard all these yeah. stories in the songs. And I just think we don't need to be scared of introducing them to the hard stuff. There's there's ways you can do it badly, and there's ways you can make sure you have the gospel central, but absolutely don't keep them away from it because it's the heart of yeah. of God's word. I think that's uh, I think that's really helpful, and I think um, I think one of the things we'll we'll do, Aaron, is I think in the show notes for this episode, encourage people to look. So what we'll try and mm. do is is gather up a lot of the resources we've mentioned, all kinds of things. Yes. Some, of the, some of the books we're using with our mm. kids, some of those resources, um, and then just really, you know, if you're listening to this and you're not doing kind of, if you're a parent and you're not doing family worship, just encourage you give it give it a try and be don't be unafraid at, at mm. finding patterns that work for you. If uh, if you do, if you are or you discover stuff, talk about it with others. Don't keep it yourself because, like 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 myself and like you said, you found you know you we heard about this from from others. And here's the thing: if you're not a parent, we're conscious not everyone listening to this is is, is a parent. If you're a grandparent, what a great opportunity to encourage uh, you know your grandchildren. If you're if your kids are uh, uh, you know Christians and, and encourage them to do it there with the grandkids. If they're not, when the grandkids come and uh, come and see you, hey, why not do something that you, that you do with that happens with Nana and Grandad when they come mm-hmm. visit. Um, and if you're a single person, you're not, you don't, you don't have kind of kids, or you're married, don't have kids. You know, pray for the families uh, in your midst. What about as a Christmas present for you know families that you have who, who, who've got kids? You know, get one of the resources that is out there and give it as a gift to a family because actually mm. trying, we had we had friends mm. give us resources. Yeah. Uh, like that, like the hymn book that we use with our kids, our Australian friends gave yeah. us that as a Christmas present. And we're like, that is brilliant because, mm-hmm. and we have really used that. And then also, I think whether you have kids or you don't have kids, encourage your church leaders to be talking about this. We've talked about this on the show before. Don't nag church leaders. You know, lots of church leaders listening to this. Church leaders are busy people. Running a church mm-hmm. is hard work. We, they do not. Your pastor does not need you, you know, nagging away, going, "Why aren't you doing this?" But you yeah, could yeah, go, yeah. "Hey, I wondered." Could there be a way we could do this? And hey, actually, can I volunteer to yeah, help? That's right. Because yeah. pastors love it if you identify a gap yes. and you say, "I and a couple of other friends be willing to, to help." Would you be mm. happy for us mm. to do that? Right. Um, and let's, as Deuteronomy talks about, let's pass these on, these mm. things on. Wonderful to our kids. So there we go. I hope you found that helpful. 
Uh, I'm Andy Bannister. He is, I think, Aaron Edwards. I think, I mean, yeah, the tent's quite dark. so I It has got dark in this tent. The worship bands have finished playing, but there's still, you know, you can now hear the mosquitoes coming out and all kinds of background noise. This has been Pot of the Gaps uh, at Cedarwood Festival, and so apologise for the occasional bits of background noise. It's the fun we're doing these things uh, in person. And we'll see you again in a couple of weeks' time for another episode. In the meantime, take care and bye for now. Bye-bye.